Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help business leaders attract and retain top talent. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al, how's your day going so far? Day's going great, and we haven't even started this podcast. And already, just in the minutes leading up to the beginning, we've already got two great ideas from our guest today. So uh, I'm looking forward to learning more. Sneak peek, we might have found a guest host uh, that we're going to talk to in the future. So (laughs) let's jump into it because we're going to have some fun today. Today's guest is Deb Voorhees. Did I say that right, Deb? I got it. Good. All right. Deb is a partner at Big Win Group, a senior executive with leadership experience across a broad range of industries. Deb joined the Big Win Group in 2017 with the passion for empowering people and and identifying and working with high-impact teams. As a partner, Deb plays a key role in the Big Win Group's innovative and creative work to help organizations grow and develop. Deb's background includes professional services, luxury goods, retail management, and not-for-profit fundraising. Returning to university in 2011, Deb did the joint Kellogg Schulich EMBA at York University and found her way to search as she reinvented her career. She has always believed in giving back and has helped raise over $1 million for Porridge for Parkinson's, which funds scientists working to find the cause and a cure for Parkinson's disease. Currently, she is the national chair of Women for Parkinson's, again, raising money for research into how women experience Parkinson's disease differently than men do. Welcome to the show, Deb. Thank you very much. Really looking forward to the conversation today. So reading off your bio and the conversation we had before we started recording, it's become abundantly clear to me that giving back is really important to you. Absolutely. Before I ended up in search, I was a stay-at-home mom for about 20 years. And during that time, I did a lot of volunteer fundraising. And I've always been a volunteer of some kind. Even you guys will laugh about this. As a teenager, my mother shipped me off to volunteer with the Red Cross at the Calgary Zoo, pushing seniors in wheelchairs around. And we had to be very careful that we didn't get too close to the lion's cage, because the lion would decide that he was going to relieve himself on the crowd. And uh, so I think that was my earliest experience of volunteering. But it's very important to me because I've been really blessed with many, many opportunities and a great life. And to be able to give back, I think that it's your responsibility. Well, we're going to jump more into that as we close out the show today with Al's signature question, because I just have a feeling you have a great answer around that. But why don't we start at the beginning? Tell us about your career journey. I mean, you started, as we all do, back in the day, and you got your first job, and then you actually went back to school. So maybe take us back to the beginning and how you ended up where you are now. Okay. Well, I 
started off doing a communications diploma at what was then Mount Royal College in Calgary in PR and communications. I wanted to go into advertising. So I did my two-year diploma, realized that I probably needed a university degree. And my dad at that point who had a, well, we always had a consulting engineering firm as a family business. And he really encouraged me to get that degree so I could be a crackerjack executive secretary for somebody. And I said, oh, no, dad, I'm going to be the executive. So I went back to school to University of Calgary, and I did a teaching degree. I thought that would be good to have in your back pocket, English and French for secondary schools. And when I graduated, there were no teaching jobs in the Calgary system at all. And I thought, well, I could sub for a year or so, two years, get a job that way. Or I could go check out the Bay, which had in-house advertising studios all across the country at that point. So I applied to the Bay and was told that you had to be a merchant before you could do sales support. I come from a long line of Irish merchants. And I said, okay, well, I'll try it. And did the preparatory management course with them. Discovered I loved being a merchant and loved, you know, managing people, selling stuff, display, moved around. So I had a retail career for many years. I was with the Bay, moved with the Bay to Toronto. And then I joined Bowerings Little Stores as the regional manager for downtown Toronto. And then ultimately, I joined Harry Rosen Menswear as their very first female salesperson had a great time with all the guys and especially the time they asked me to measure the Blue Jays players inseam for the fashion show the Blue Jays wives were going to do, right? They thought, oh, this will be fun. Let the girl do it. So the girl did it. And I really do credit Harry Rosen with teaching me how to sell. I think we talked about this before, but I was in charge of introducing a program called Clientele Development where we had to do follow-up calls on our sales. And everybody in the store, whether you'd been with Harry for two months or 25 years, had to do it. You didn't get your commission until the invoice was checked off. I was not very popular introducing this program to the senior sales guys, but I had to do it too. And I remember phoning a gentleman I should find out who his name was because he's epic in my career. I sold him a couple of ties, called to see how the ties were, and there's dead air on the end of the phone. And then he goes, they're fine. Great. Thank you. I thought, oh, I can't do this. I'm a failure, right? Well, a couple of days later, a man comes in the store on Richmond Street and he says, where's that girl that sold me the ties? So now we have a relationship, right? I'm Then showing him other clothing, he's there for shirts or whatever he's there for. And that was really the starting point. So through my career, whether it's been in business or in volunteering, my mantra has been raising revenue through relationships. And I have done that consistently across all aspects of my career. Do you want me to carry on? Please do. Yeah, this is (laughs) this is great. I've got questions, but I don't want to stop you. Like catch us up to where you are now, because this is so great. So then I got married, had a couple kids, stayed home for 20 years, did lots of volunteer fundraising. My marriage ended in 2008. And you guys have heard my joke that, you know, I don't play golf. I don't play tennis. I wasn't looking for my next husband. 
what am I going to do? So like everybody, you go back to school and do an MBA, right? Many of my friends said, if you're going to have a midlife crisis, why didn't you just go buy a sports car? Anyways, the Kellogg-Schulich program was amazing. I chose the executive MBA because I didn't want to be in a classroom full of people the same age as my children, my millennial children. It was a global program, which involved lots of travel. So I traveled the world with a group of 45-year-olds. We went to Miami, Chicago, Hong Kong, Germany, and had classes in all those places. And it just changed my life. It changed how I think about things, how I approach problems. My network is huge. And it's people that I really felt like I'd found my tribe. It was such a familiarity with the people who were in the program doing the same thing that I was doing. And to this day, many of them are really close friends. And I have been fortunate enough to get many business opportunities through the network as well. So post the MBA, I went back into retail briefly. I was with Sporting Life for just over a year. I managed the largest division within Sporting Life at that time, the soft goods business, clothing and home decorating items at the Young Street store. Realized that post-MBA that it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Uh, It was very operational and executional. I was looking for a little more strategic planning and the ability to use more of my marketing and communication skills. So then I was introduced to a couple of startups who were looking for money and to develop their client list. So I started, as I say, dialing for dollars and just reached out and did that. And in the course of looking for sponsorship for one of my clients, which was Opera Canada magazine, I had coffee with a woman who had been my boss 24 years ago Her company represented Perrier, and I thought, perfect, Perrier would love to sponsor the opera magazine. And in the middle of the conversation, she said, hey, could you do BD for a search firm? And I'm a great believer in you say yes, and then you go figure out how to do it. And I uh, said, yeah, absolutely. So had a coffee with her husband, Hart Hillman, who is the CEO of Bigwin Group. And it was one of those magical conversations. And he said, I think you should just come and join us and do search. So I thought, okay, let me give it six months, right? And that was five years ago. So I have since told Hart that he's never getting rid of me and that those fingernails in the door jam are mine and that he stuck with me. So I really love it because it's all about people and whether it's the client development side or the candidate interviewing side. The stories people have are so interesting and why clients are looking to add people to their team is amazing. I've really found my niche where I live. That's a great story. And I heard a couple of things in there that I wanted to delve a little bit deeper into. You were talking about when you went back to university and the MBA program. First of all, I'm always fascinated by people who have the guts to do that, because that's not an easy thing to do at at that point, right? A lot of people would not do that. But you said that it changed the way you looked at things. And I was curious about that. Can you talk maybe a little bit more about what you meant by that? And how have your priorities changed over the years? And I, I suspect that's maybe part of changing the way you look at things. That's a great question. I think that instead of being very solution driven, and looking for an instant solution, I now step back and I really look at a bigger picture on what is the most effective way to get from A to B, not just we're going to get to A to B, and 
how do you manage all of the pieces and the multiple stakeholders? Because there's never just one person in any kind of project or decision that you're making. And decision will affect other people, you know, unintended consequences, right? The other piece that I really picked up in the MBA is the importance of incentives. And that if you have to have the proper incentives in place to get the results that you're looking for. And too often, many, many organizations, and not just companies, but not-for-profit organizations as well, will put in the wrong incentives. And then they're surprised at the results they're getting. And having worked in a commission sales environment at Harry Rosen, and certainly now in a commission sales environment, it would be very easy for it to be a shark pool, right? And the incentives make a difference on how the team work and the team inclusion plays out. I can give you an example of that it came up just last night. I was talking to somebody at one of the big banks, wealth management divisions, and we were talking about the importance of treating their female clients who are part of a, a couple as very important and relevant in their own way and not just because they're the spouse of X. And very often, if a couple splits up or the husband dies, the wife will change and move her money and her financial advisor to another firm because she hasn't felt valued while she was there as part of a couple. And so we were talking about this and, you know, this individual said that his organization talks a good talk, but the incentives aren't there to nurture both sides of the equation, the incentives there to the partner who brings the money in, right? It was a very interesting conversation. It really aligns with what's the result you really want to get here. And, you know, if you're just talking the, the talk and not actually doing the action, then you might as well be quiet. Again, I'm curious, and maybe maybe we can talk about that because that what you just talked about in terms of both partners being involved, that's relevant to our line of work every day. So uh, maybe that's something that we can talk about after this. I'd be interested <laughs> hearing, hearing my opinion on that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I'm absolutely. happy to share. Wonderful. Yeah, can we can we go back to because you've worked with some iconic brands, right? Canadian brands, the Bay. I mean, growing up, I remember going to the downtown location at Christmas and it was such a an exciting time. Mm -hmm. And Harry Rosen, I mean, wow, what an iconic brand in, in menswear. What are some of the early lessons that you've learned from those early careers that have stayed with you over the years? There's two or three. The first is customer service. I've always worked in what some people call luxury goods, but certainly high touch customer service, which people appreciate. Even in our online world, if you're not getting good customer service, you're going to remember it. The second piece is the personal relationships that you have with customers. When you're on the sales floor of the Bay and it's Christmas Eve, and some hapless guy is coming in at, you know, five o'clock, and what is he going to get for his wife? And well, you'd better not steer him to the vacuum cleaners, but it's important to him. He's going to remember how you made him feel. So that's just one example, but certainly customer service relationships with the Bay in particular, I always felt that we had a big responsibility as managers there because we were part of this 
300-year-old tradition, right? And the very, very smart people who were buyers and department managers managing each of their commodities within the Bay. And really, I learned so much from everybody. The thing I would say, you know, with iconic brands about Harry Rose, and Harry's been a mentor to me throughout my career, and he really is a fabulous merchant. I mean, he gets his hands on your shoulders and he's fitting a jacket on you. You're buying it. There's no question about that, right? So you just absorb what you can from these amazing leaders. And I was really fortunate to work with them. In your example about making people feel a certain way, that touches me personally, because I don't know if we chatted about this, but my dad was in this business for 35 years. And when dad passed away, I because he knew so many people in my industry, I put it on LinkedIn just because I, I didn't know who dad didn't, you know, and, and get the word out. And the amount of messages that I got back from the community and that theme of your dad always made us feel a certain way. Right. Like it was so important for me to hear that, but for my mom to hear that, for my sister to hear that, it's what we're trying to do. And, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what it's all about. It's how can you make that client feel and how can you connect with them and build community with them? So I'm really happy you shared that. Where you are today in search, and I get the feeling you are a curious person, and you seem to, you know, going back to school as evidence, you're always trying to learn. But in your line of work today, what are you most curious about? I'm really most curious about, well, two things. One, how do we help a company? How do we help a client build their team and find the right fit? And the second thing is in speaking to candidates, what's their story? So how did they get to where they are? nobody's career is a straight line anymore. And I love talking to people about what jobs they had in high school or volunteer work they did. You know, there's a couple of companies that when I was at Sporting Life and I was hiring a huge contingent of part-time seasonal staff, if they had worked at Loblaws, they were automatically hired because they would pick up a broom, they would do whatever. They didn't have to be asked to help clean up on aisle three, right? They just did it. And that's the kind of thing you want because you're all a team together. So I'm really curious about where they want to go and what they do outside of work. So when you delve into what people's interests are and you find out, you know, what they did for fun during COVID or where they've traveled, that's what makes the whole person. You may go to, to work from nine to five or, you know, eight to eight, depending on the, the industry, but what do you do in those times after that? And I think being a woman, it's very easy to talk to people about life outside the office. I can ask questions given the appropriate moment about family or people will share those details with me. You know, yesterday I spoke to a former candidate who talked about not being ready to make a move several years ago because of a family illness and then his father dying about a year ago, and now feeling that he's got the emotional energy to do that. And, you know, it's that vulnerability and authenticity that is what I like. I'm really, really interested in how people get to be where they are. And that's why we do this podcast. <laughs> you know, exactly. we this was originally just a series and it became our main focus, Success Leaves Clues, because it's about the stories. 
And every single time we do these, we on your episode, we will hear feedback about, hey, that was really interesting. This person came from a background that you know, I had no experience in and then where she took it was really interesting. So that's why we asked that question quite a bit about, hey, how did you end up here? Right. Because as you were telling us, right, and, and we chatted before this, and I didn't know that background. So that was really interesting for me to hear and to hear how you applied that going forward. Again, success leaves clues, right? People are right. going to get some clues out of this. So really interesting. Thank you. So I'm excited because we've talked previous already about some of the things that you are doing in the charitable giving space and the contributions you're making back. So I'm eager to hear your answer to uh, okay. to our last question. <laughs> so here we go. The question is this. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? I think it's such a great question. So thank you for asking. You had provided me the question beforehand, so I've been thinking about it. I would say the first shade I've provided is to my daughters. I have two adult daughters who are 34 and 28. By going back to school as a 50-year-old, I set an example for them that anything was possible. And they were my biggest fan club throughout the process, because as you identified, it was frightening. I mean, the second weekend, I thought, what the heck have I done here, right? I've jumped off a cliff. I would say also that because I'm very involved with an alumni group called Kellogg Schulich Women, which is part of the Greater Kellogg Schulich Alumni Association, I really want to help young women promote themselves and for women to believe that they can do anything. I mean, I'm an example. If I can reinvent myself from 20 years, stay-at-home housewife, then divorced, go back to school. Anybody can invent themselves. And it's not easy. There was lots of hard work and lots of moments of doubt. But I just persevered and kept putting one foot in front of the other to get to where I am. And every day is still learning and doing stuff. You know that with business. So that would be the second thing. And then with the charitable work I do, it's really a passion for me. My youngest brother was diagnosed with young onset Parkinson's disease 14 years ago. And I realized early on, I'm not a caregiver. He and I both agreed on that one weekend when I was looking after him. It was Thanksgiving and his wife had gone to Edmonton to see her family. But what I can do is ask people for money and ask people to help. I'm pretty fearless about it, thanks to my days at Harry Rosen. And in fact, committees that I've been on, the Porridge for Parkinson's committee is a great example. The other women on the committee would say, well, Deb will call them. She'll ask them for money. She'll do it. And I really believe in the give, give, ask approach to life. Like, what can I offer first before I ask someone for something? Or how can I help somebody else? So again, that's part of that legacy. And I was approached by Parkinson Canada to help with this new initiative called Women for Parkinson's. Because there is a difference in how women are experience Parkinson's, their symptoms, how hormones play a part. The drugs that are tested on male rodents may not have the same efficacy on women. And how do we find some research and fund research into that? So that marries my 
passion for Parkinson's and also for helping women promote themselves. I mean, remember, I come from that background where my dad thought I was going to be a great executive secretary, right? So I'm trying to push us all up the food chain a little bit further. I would say that's where I give back. And that's why it's so important to me. Yeah, thank you for that. That's great. You know, you said a couple of things in there that I can definitely relate to. Uh, Robin will know when you talked about feeling like you jumped off a cliff, we were talking about a situation where I felt that. But And you're right, you just have to kind of carry on. And I think I shared with you in our first call that my dad suffered from Parkinson's for the last 15 years of his life. So that brought back some some memories as well when you were talking about that. So, so that's great. And I know that we're going to be talking in the future about some of these charitable organizations that you are, that you're involved with. So I I definitely want to come back to that in the future. That'll be great. Can I just leave one thing? I please like the jumping off cliffs analogy, right? I'm a skier. You know, when you go from that beginner to intermediate stage, there's a moment where you have to let your skis run in order to be able to turn and get out of your snowplow. And that's terrifying. And your instinct is to lean back and cling to the hill, which does nothing. And so often when I'm in a situation where I'm afraid of something, I'll think, okay, you got to let your skis run here. Like what's going to happen? You you might fall, but most likely you're going to turn. And that is such a visual for me to keep in mind with all of the challenges that I have encountered. I'm going to use that one one now. I'm going to use (laughs) that. I'm going to get my analogy. My Alon skis on and I'm going to turn. So here we go. Well, thank you so much, Deb, for joining us today. I'm so glad I reached out and we started that conversation and now we're connected and and we've already decided we're having future conversations. So exactly. Thank you so much for sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Big Win Group? So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Deb Voorhees, V-O-O-R-H-E-I-S. Or happy to have you email me at my Bigwin email, which is deb, D-E-B, at bigwin, B-I-G-W-I-N, group.com. Okay, awesome. Well, that does it for today's okay. episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope everyone did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And remember, success leaves clues. Mm-hmm.